I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Yo, yo, it's your boy OG Arabian Prince from the world's most dangerous group, NWA, and you're listening to Rebel Radio. And if you ain't a rebel, you need to be a rebel on Rebel Radio. Yeah. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. This week, we have a very special guest, the OG Arabian Prince. He was a co-founder of NWA. He's, uh, he has a long career as a solo artist and producer. He's been involved in animation and the movie business. He's a tech entrepreneur. Uh, he's got a new venture that I want you to check out called Covatech, where the, the, he's co-founded and he's providing PPE and, and other COVID support to small to medium-sized businesses. Really cool thing happening there. And uh, we have just a great conversation. We talk about music, of course, um, and a lot of the uh, shared love we have uh, for that. We talk, we get into some race, some politics, obviously man coming from NWA and who's been through as much as he's seen. Um, I wanted to really dig into his perspective on a lot of that. And then um, uh, as you'll see, you know, he had a very clear vision for the business and, and he's got some good lessons on how that's carried him through the decisions he's made over the years. So it's, it's a great interview. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, let's get into it. Right. You know, we did a song that talked about an issue and no one heard, really listened to us back then. They're listening to it now, you know, 37 years later. But mm -hmm. it's like people are going to use it both ways. And it's just sure. whatever it is. And then if you have an opinion, to state your opinion to make you feel better. And so people know where you stand. But people, you know, music is, is free for the people. So 
That's right. Yeah. Well, let's dig into that, okay, man. Let's I'm go. excited to finally meet you. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. You know, I've been following you forever. Um, I still got my copy of she. She's got a big posse wow. somewhere around here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and obviously, you know, us being neighbors. So, take me back to the very beginning. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Yeah, you know, it's funny you, you asked that question. Um, I just did something for uh, a thing in Germany, and I had to do all these B-sides, and we talked about that. The first record, I was actually with my boy, Egyptian Lover, and I had just got my car. Like, mm. I was 16 years old, and now, mind you, this is the first record I bought. Mm -hmm. Like, I had vinyl sure, that sure, I acquired sure. from people, yep. but I'm like, I got my car. We're going to Tower Records on Sunset, yep. right? And my car was a 76 Mercury Capri with okay. a stick shift. And what I didn't know is when you go up La Cienega, right before you get to Sunset, you know I got that hill? Yeah, man. Oh, man. So we got on that hill, and I was like, and I got stopped like halfway up. And I'm like, I'm talking to each of them, like, what do I do? So I just gun it. <laughs> so I ended up getting there. Anyway, long story short, my first records, it was a, it was a few. I remember buying uh, Depeche Mode, ABC, Look of Love. Mm -hmm. And Grace Jones, like, pull up to the bumper. Oh, wow. Those were my first, like, vinyl yeah. because they were 12 inches. Sure. And I was getting them. And back in the early 80s when I started DJing, rap had just started. Everything was, you know, you were a DJ. You played pop. You yeah. played whatever was on the radio. For sure. Top 40. So. For sure. That's great, man. That's that's a great start. I mean, those songs. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, and, it's, and it's funny, you know, because I was thinking about, you know, you and your history and, you know, I think the average person sort of thinks as NWA as the beginning of West Coast rap. Right. Right. I don't know. Like, and, and obviously we know, you know, there was a, oh, there yeah, was a, more, a rich culture, you oh, know, yeah. with King T and Toddy T and Mixed Master Spade and, yeah, yeah. you know, Wrecking Crew and yeah, yeah. what you were doing with JJ Fad and, and, you know, all like there was, there yeah, was, was a lot. There was, was a lot before that. Yeah. Uh, people just obviously Ice T. Right. But, but, then all of a sudden, like, NWA happens and kind of like overshadows everything else that was going on, and and um, it's it's interesting. Well, so you know, what I was thinking about is like you were making a different type of music, and Dre, and like yeah. it was more of that electro thing, right? It was b-boy right. music, yeah. And even out, you know, I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other day about Reckless and and like how Ice T is known for something totally different. But right. to me, that's one of the b boy classics of oh, all yeah. time, right? Like, and um, so I'm wondering, what did that teach you about just the way that trends change? Um, you know what? It, it, it's it's the inner cities. Like, you know, when you're young, you follow the trends. Like even today, mm -hmm. you know, the music changes with the culture and when we were young when we like when we were born it was the disco kind of you know r&b soul era mm -hmm. and then when we got in elementary school then it was like we were talking about the the, the, the patch modes the it was a punk the ska you know the top 40 all of that stuff along with funk and all of yep. that kind of thing but then pop lock and breaking 
you know, Electric Boogaloo, that whole thing. That's that was us. That sure. was like what we were into. So that's what we were doing. And then when the whole thing, I, we saw the change, like with Uncle Jam's Army, I used to DJ with yeah, yeah. Egyptian Lover and all those cats. We would do all the dances. We saw the shift from party music to gangster rap because the gang thing started to happen and that yeah. changed the culture and that changed the mood of the city so we changed with the mood of the city sure yeah yeah uh so how, how'd you get started so you were djing first yeah i was um like my father had a, a talk radio show on Ace radio in la okay and i used to go down there when he had the talk radio show on the weekend i think it was sunday because none of the DJs or Sunday was like all talk radio so I got to sit in the other control room where the DJs mm -hmm. would do the music stuff and would play with that at like 12, 13, 14 years old and became like really good at mixing and doing little mixtapes and I would sell them at school so everybody identified me as the DJ and then I started doing the little school dances from there and you know that's was my history is doing that and i talked some guy and let me have my own little teen club called the cave over in lennox mm. and um yeah that's how i came up and a lot of the djs who became the big radio cats and um and doing music like dre and egypt and all of us used to come to my little club and um that's how we got kind of got started mm -hmm. and then and then how did that turn into to producing yeah so that was even crazier because um egypt and um Uncle Jam's Army had bought an 808 drum machine and nobody knew how to use it so Egypt had it at his house and I would go by there and we'd mess around with it and because of that drum machine when they would do shows DJing shows they would play the drum machine and people would keep dancing and then they would chant on top of it and say stuff you know and from that they were like man we could probably make a record because people ain't don't know the difference Sure. and they say I know they're like hey man we're gonna make a record I'm like what? And then I used to hang out with Dre and Yella and Lonzo from the Wrecking Crew as well. And they were like, oh, we about to make a record. I'm like, but I wasn't really in a crew. I was down with everybody. I was down with them. I was down with, you know, the Wrecking Crew. I was down with, like, even um, the L.A. Dream Team. I did stuff with everybody. I was like the mm -hmm. little tech dude that knew how to run all the stuff so everybody would hang out with me. And I'm like, well, shit, I want to make a record too. So I ended up saving up 500 bucks and getting some money from a dude I worked for and going in the studio by myself, man, and figuring it out on my own. Like, I had never been in the recording studio. My mom's was a piano teacher, so I knew how to play, mm -hmm. but I had never done anything and went in the studio and made my first song called Strange Life. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny. So my, my boy James Andrews likes to say that, uh, that the DJs were the first tech entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right? And, and because, you know, you, you had to be able to make the equipment work and you had to figure out stuff that you know and it's we didn't have splice and yeah you know fl studio and all nah. this stuff that we do now that you know my my 10 year old can make a beat um but you had to really be in there and and figuring stuff out um so you know i know you work i'm jumping ahead a little bit but, yeah, I, yeah. but I know you're really involved in in tech right now um how do, wh what do you see as the, the similarities well, for me, the similarity was this, and I tell people today, you can pick up an iPad or your cell phone and make beats and do music or whatever you want. When we started, if you if you weren't, and I'm not trying to do disservice to you know digital producers at all because I'm a you know electronic producer. Mm -hmm. um, if, unless you were a real musician, I mean, played a drum, bass, guitar, piano, something like that. 
in order for you to create a song you literally needed to learn technology because you had to learn how to work a sequencer you had to learn midi and sympty and even something called cv gate that a lot of people don't even know about <laughs> you had to be able to sync all this stuff together yeah. to a 24 track tape recorder right to be able to do that and it sure. was hard to do in the 80s and sure. we had to learn that and when you learn that that was some technological uh, technological knowledge that you could take into other stuff mm -hmm. and once i got into it it was like i had to get a computer to do this oh now i got a computer let me teach myself coding mm. oh i can do animation sprite animation and then eventually 3d animation so a lot of things i was doing other stuff with the computers than only music and i was really passionate about video games so i've been actually working on video games since the late 80s so you know i crazy. got in early yeah, yeah. that's crazy Check it out, y'all. I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor to the show. Uh, this one's great. I have suffered from allergies my entire life as a kid, as an adult. I've been to pretty much every type of specialist you can think of, from natural remedies to medicine to... Uh, I haven't gone to see a witch doctor. Maybe that's next. Anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm always... I'm very concerned about my health. I do a lot to try to take care of myself um, and you know more more recently I've become really excited about testing because I found that I can get information that tells me about what's going on in my body and my health and I can use that to make choices in my life so help me welcome Everly Well to the show Everly Well offers over 30 at-home lab tests um, I just signed up for the allergy test. Like I said, that's been an issue for me, but they have all kind of other things. They have food sensitivity, STDs, if that's your thing, um, you know, heart health, metabolism, testosterone, all, all, so many different things. Uh, the test is shipped to your door, comes with really easy to follow instructions. I ordered mine, it showed up to my house. I did the sample, sent it off. It took me less than five minutes to do the whole thing could not have been easier once you send it back they process it in a certified lab and they send you the results within just days i'm waiting on my results now i might share them with you depending on what uh what it says it might be private i don't know let's find out but um but i'm excited to get it back they, they have a digital platform that breaks down exactly what the results mean for you um, so if you want to start learning more about your health like i did check out everly well at home lab test today for 20% off an Everly Well at-home lab test, visit everlywell.com slash rebelradio and use the code rebelradio. That's everlywell.com slash rebelradio, code rebelradio, for 20% off your tests. Everly Well at-home lab test, your answers, your way. Um, so, okay, so you made Strange Love. Yeah. And, um... And, and then you know, obviously, we know uh, the, the NWA story. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you left over the business. Yeah, I left over the business, man. Um, our manager Jerry Heller, you know, got involved. Our, our our NWA union was very simple. It was a bunch of homies that got together and started making music. You know, there were no contracts between us. It right. was just an understanding, like. We get together, we go in the studio, we do out, do music, and then everybody shares in the wealth. Like, here's here's your boxes of records, here's mm -hmm. your boxes of records, here's your cassettes, you go out and sell them. Whatever you make from that, that's your money. Right. Hey, that's easy. 
But then when we got structure and got a manager in place, those things changed and the greed took over because all the money started going to him and the money wasn't coming the other way. And it was always an excuse why you couldn't get your money. Oh, well, you know, we need to do this. Oh, talk to easy or, you know, like we had to go through that. And how I figured it out was the fact that I had jj fad supersonic a song that i had paid for and i had produced mm. and put out and it was already a hit sure. and i took it away from dream team records because i was having some issues with payments over there and brought it to ruthless records which was supposed to be our record label and i said hey let me bring this in here and we share in the success of this record to help build nwa and ruthless records and everything else so i even you know allowed dre and yella's name to be put on it because we were a production team even Mm -hmm. though i did the song by myself Mm -hmm. and i wasn't getting paid from it so i kept having questions about that even more so than nwa because we had just started that and jerry never had an answer for me so i got me an attorney went in there and took care of my business and and left and I remember telling Cube and Dre them what was going on. And early on, they didn't really get it because of the fame. You know, fame yeah. kind of clouds you. Just sure, a little sure, bit. Sure. Everybody's having a good time. You're touring. You got a big record. You're getting a little bit of money. But it wasn't what you were supposed to be getting. Right. And after I did my deal and got paid, I think they kind of saw like, hey, wait a minute. He got money. We need to take care of that, too. And that, that was kind of like the end of the group. Yeah. Um. So, tell me about that decision. So, you, so you went off on your own. Yeah, uh, I know. You, I know you made some records, but then you, like you said, you start getting involved in other things. Yeah. So, was there a moment where you're like, you know, I'm gonna shift gears, uh, or or did it did it just happen? Like, I'm I'm wondering, you know, like we can look back at your career now. You've done all this amazing stuff in different industries. Yeah. But like, was that the plan? From day one, or was it more just kind of let it flow? No, it was day one, because I was doing it at the same time. But I always tell people it wasn't cool and hip to be a gangster rapper or a rapper in general and be a tech nerd. Right. I was doing it, and a lot of people were watching me do it. And there was no social media, so you couldn't talk about it anyway. Mm -hmm. I was just making video games, and I did the the visual effects on the first season of the Power Rangers and um, Casper and Adam's Family, and then went on the motion pictures and television shows. And then I started doing video games. And I was doing this while I was touring and performing and making records. And I realized on the film and TV side and on the gaming side, they pay you a lot of money. And they pay you now. Because they don't want any mess ups. They ain't trying to hide nothing. They like, here, here's. I I had a um, what you would call a render farm way back then rendering animation for Saban mm-hmm. for a lot of their shows mm-hmm. and I was dude I was making a gang of money just doing that and it was kind of like it opened my eyes why am I chasing record companies right to get a little bit of money when I'm doing this and I'm making a ton of money and you know just keep going and keep going and, and I just started doing both I said it, it almost turned out to be music I was doing for fun because mm-hmm. it was so hard to get record companies to pay you sure and i had the technology side as a full-blown career yeah yeah man i you know the record business the history of the record business is about shady contracts yeah. and always and has been and still is financials yeah. still is you know um and it's funny because you, you know what you just said like you know i remember so i used to manage dub c yep um before that when i you know i met him a couple years before that i interviewed him for something and he said um you know, he said, if, if I couldn't do music 
as a career, I would still make music every weekend. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and I think that's a, it's a weird thing, right? Because you start out, every musician starts out make working for free. Um, and then at some point it becomes a business and, uh, and then usually the business gets fucked up. Yeah. And then, and maybe it gets fixed, you know, later down the road or whatever. But, but I think, you know, we uh, we people who make music not we you yeah like it's like it seems like you can't not do it but then at the same time uh to try to do it as your career your sole source of income is like now you're thrown into all this craziness that has nothing to do with the music yeah, and, and I think too, like I teach music business classes now. Oh, is because that right? I, yeah, I teach for um, Point Blank Music Academy, oh, cool. and it's one of those things. The reason I wanted to do the music business class is one thing that people forget when they get into the music business. They get into the music, but they forget about the business. And I'm sure. like, there's another whole word in that, you know, thing like That's right. music business. Yeah. So you can't do half. You got to do the whole thing in order to be successful. And I'm really passionate about this next generation of upcoming creators that they need to understand you got to protect yourself, your music and your business because people will find any little in to take your money or keep your money or get a portion of your money, sure. you know, if you don't take care of it. So it, it it's a crazy world. Yeah. Um so you, uh, so you got you're involved in all these other businesses, yep. um, and you know you're like how can I say it? Like you have your own thing, but you're also Arabian Prince from NWA, right? Right, and and so how do you how how does that how does it play out? I mean, we're now 30 years later, yep. however, however long it's been. Damn, like, like 40 years later. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, I ain't guess it? so. <laughs> um, you know, like you said, the, you know, the music, especially fuck the police yeah. is, is maybe more relevant today than, than it's ever been, but it's never been not, it's never gone away. Right. Um, so how do you decide when to make that kind of, bring that more to the forefront of your story and what you're doing versus when to kind of like, I'm not saying hide it, but yeah. like, but you know, obviously it's not the entirety of your story either. Not, nah, but it, it's all part of it. So what I, what I, I've learned to do is, you know, and I, I, I take a quote from, you know, Donald Trump, right? <laughs> I always like to quote him because he's always making quotes about things. And, sure. and he's Dude's like, quote we're, we're at war. And he's at war with, you know, with everything you know he's war with covid he's at <laughs> right, war right, right. with yeah, of yeah with with illegal aliens and you know we're at war with people rights and we're at war with segregation and poverty and all kind of things man and you got to attack them from all different sides nwa we attacked it head on you know with the police and what was happening in the inner cities and and the wrongdoings and stuff like that but now i have the opportunity because of what I do in technology and education to attack it from another side. So we got the younger generation out there on the streets now doing what we were doing 30 years ago. Sure. I don't need to be on the streets anymore doing that, but I wanna make sure that I do my part with educating the next generation 
and making sure they're protected and making sure that they have the tools, you know, to make a career, mm-hmm. you know, um, whether it's in technology, whether it's in music or entertainment. Because one thing I say, you're going to have the people out there that loot and do those things because they're either idiots, but you got a lot of people out there doing it because they're hungry. They ain't got nothing. For sure. But the moment you get something, then you take that person out of that equation. I wasn't out there looting right? because I got too much to lose. Right. So you give something, somebody something to lose, then they like, I, I ain't me. You didn't see too many rappers out there looting. You know what I'm saying? Because they've sure. already crossed over. Of course. So my job is to try and cross over as many people as I possibly can so that they don't get caught up in that system. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the big companies got to step up. And the problem I always have with the big companies, and I say it every day, and I talk to my partner companies, is everybody, when something goes on, they jump on and donate and check the box. Look what we've done. They get they get the return on the investment. They don't do it quietly. They right. do it to a Oh, yeah, of course. We gave $100 million. Look at us. Right. Check that box. But a month or two down the road, they quiet down and everything's back. Nah, my thing is if you're going to jump on this train that's moving so fast, you can't hop off. You on for the whole ride. And you in order to keep this thing going and moving fast, you gotta stay on the ride. And that's what I'm out there, you know, preaching. So so help me solve that, right? Because I, I have the same reaction. I yeah. see, you know, I see this company, you know, I, we saw all the all the black squares on everybody's yeah, yeah. Instagram, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago. The donations, the uh, you know, there's a bunch of promotions, right? If, right? if you're, it's a good time to be a black executive in corporate America. Let me say, it's a better time, right? Than yeah. than it was, it was two months ago, right? Because yeah. you're probably gonna get promoted in a very high profile way with a oh, press yeah. release and all of that, right? Um, but usually that's it. Like you said, they want to jump off that train and get back to to making money, right? Yeah. Um, what, do, what should they do? What do you want to see them do? I just want to see them be fair about it. Like, don't hire somebody just because they're black, just because they're a person of color or a minority or something like that. But at the same time, look not only at that one person, look at your whole department and see how many people you might have passed over because of something. Like, man, like, this dude been here for a while and he's been kicking ass, but people have been passing him up let me go research that let me go do my due diligence and 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 see if there was some wrongdoing within my department or within my companies and try to rectify it and make sure that that never happens again like my, my whole thing is i'm proud to be black i'm proud to have been part of a movement and to still be part of a movement but all that anybody on this planet wants who is a minority is to be treated equal you know what i'm saying like just look at me as a human being mm-hmm. look at me as exactly like you if i'm smarter than you if i'm better suited for something than you i should be able to get it and not you of course and that's all that anybody's asking but people try to twist that like oh here you go now all the black people are gonna get promoted and this and that because of this it's not because of that it should be because it shouldn't even be a statement like that it should just be like hey let's just put everything on a level playing field and try to monitor that. Yeah, I, I agree, and I and I think it's it's you know, it's such a uh, convoluted argument, right? Yeah. Like, meaning, um, you know, back to what you just said. Well, how many people got promoted, got hired, just because they were white? Yeah, 
just because they came from a certain school you know that that had uh you know that had racially biased admission policies right so you know at a certain point you know the, the entire harvard you know graduating class was white and then those people got good jobs and and et cetera, et cetera, right so it's um it's not i guess what i'm saying is like you know you we're never starting with a clean slate no we have centuries and you know of history that's gotten us to this point yeah and bias and um systematic racism because i i said something and i'm not going to mention the companies or you know what i'm talking about but let's say okay somebody came to me it's like i'm looking for somebody for this position i'm like i know the person that's perfect for that and i says you just got to take them how they are but this is the guy you want you know and they didn't take that guy because he didn't wear a suit and a tie Mm mm-hmm and he didn't look like a person that could have been a CEO of this particular company. Sure. They got a guy who had a suit and tie, who had a college degree, but knew nothing about dealing with the issues that they needed. Right. And it's not going to work. Sure. You know what I mean? If you got to go, if you want somebody to, to build a swimming pool for you, you got to find somebody who know how to build swimming pools. Not somebody who looks like they know how to build swimming pools. You know, you got to find somebody yeah. who knows how to for do sure. it. For so, sure. um, but, but that's why I say it's complicated because... You know, look, some things are not complicated. Right. Right. It, you know, cops shouldn't be killing people and other than a last resort. Right. Right. Um, I think it's, there's certain lines that are really easy to draw. Other lines, uh, you know, what, what you're talking about is like, is the issue of bias or prejudice. Right. And sometimes that's racial, but sometimes it's, it's it can be so many things. It get, you know, there's statistics that like taller people, there's more CEOs over six feet. Right. Right. And like that's that's a crazy that's not there's no systemic prejudice against yeah, yeah. short people. Right. Right. But there's something in 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 people's brains. Yeah. It's that, more of a, this person has more of a presence. Absolutely. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah. And so and I'm not, you know, anybody listening, I'm not yeah, equating. Away. Yeah, I understand. You know, blah, blah, blah. Right. right? I, whatever. I'm, but uh, but I'm saying that there's 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 bias in everything yeah right and i think you know the um and so when we talk about these movements or this moment we're having you know what i find is that like it there's work to be done to to get a common understanding of what's the goal right because ridding the world of bias is not realistic yeah right because there's all this bias that we don't even realize we have or that you know whatever I, I i look at you in a red sweatshirt and, and i feel a certain type of way depending yeah, yeah. on right. you know so and that's never going to go away right right and w- we can each work on ourselves to get better at it etc but it's never going to be eliminated and so um that's where i see you know I, i'm curious about with what's happening in the world like where is all this going to take us yeah. right you see, right now uh you know as we're talking you know, Aunt Jemima pancake syrup is coming yeah, off the shelf, Yeah, man. Right? So well, I, I want to talk about that. Can we talk about that one for a minute? See, we can. now, <laughs> can y'all ask somebody before you give her to Aunt Jemima? Come on. Now, I heard they already fixed her once. Like, they took the little do-rag oh, yeah, off yeah, her yeah, head right. and made her look better. I was happy about that. But, you know, like certain things, like, leave her on the bottom. We, we don't have enough black people on bottles as it is. You know, change your name to Aunt Johnson or something if you worried about this that's that thing right but don't just get rid of it because i mean I, I think certain things are okay you know even though 
it may have started off wrong. You guys did something to, to correct it. We get it, you know. But I think sometimes people want to go too far and over the top, and just bring somebody in and, and do a For poll. Sure. Do a poll, like right. at, ask a black. I would say ask a black person. You know, like <laughs> get the right one. You know, but well, it, that's the thing, right? Is is so you know. Let's assume, uh, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but not too much. Yeah. I, I'm assuming they're trying to do the right thing yeah, in this moment the right thing. and then get off the train, right? Yeah. And get back to, to business, right. right? And, you know, and if you if you look at my feed, there's some people that are like, well, it's too late. Yeah. We don't fuck with you no matter what you do, and yeah, which is also I like, mean, what, what, what do you want, right? Yeah. You, like. Can can nobody ever be redeemed because right. I, I think people can they didn't be. get it right from the beginning. Yeah. yeah, I think you know what Snoop Dogg said something a week or two ago because you know he's real critical of Trump, and he said something about because he just realized that he could vote. You know, Snoop was like, "Man, I can vote. Oh, yeah. I didn't know I could vote." And he said something, and I hope I'm quoting him close to what he was saying. That you know, I understand if you voted for Trump the first time. That's cool. But if you vote for him again, fuck you. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. now that you see who you're dealing with, right. nobody knew back then what was going to happen. They just, oh, it's Trumpy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's give him a try because he's not a politician. Mm -hmm. But now that you see what he's about, if you voting for him, fuck you. And that's what, you know, Snoop said. And it's, it's kind of that. Like, if somebody did something wrong, okay, good example. They brought Shaq in to Papa John's, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And Shaq was saying, because I've been following his new show, about people been sending him hate mail and saying, how could you do this? How He said, Cause, because I'm here to change. Yeah. I'm here to make change. I came in to fix this. Right. What do you want us to just alienate it? Nah, we gotta fix these things. And that's my point is, I'm trying to figure out if everybody does a little bit of something, can't nobody fix the whole thing. This mm -hmm. may never get fixed to the end of time. Cause like you said, it's gonna be biased to the sure. end of time. But if I can fix a piece, somebody else can fix a piece, and we can save a life here, save a life there, change the way somebody thinks here and there, then eventually we'll get there. And I often say this, and I'm old, you know, I say this, all us old people are going to eventually die who are probably most of the problem. Most of the problem is the old people that For have sure. been here forever. Once all of these old <clears throat> politicians die off and the younger generation comes up with their utopia, there's going to be a huge change. And this is the first thing. What we're seeing now is the beginning of that. Yeah. You know, and I think it's going to happen. We all got to do our little bit of a part. No, I think you're right. And, and it, you know, but the weird part of that is that, like, we seem to care. And we humans, like, we seem to care. Like, college age. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, I went to UCLA. There was, like, hunger strikes and shit on campus at the time. And I'm like, well, y'all, you guys care too much. Like... I, I don't even, but whatever that was but my point is like people get really active then in what's going on in their world which is kind of like you wake up from being a kid and you're, yeah as a kid you're totally and you're just your own thing and then you look around you go oh there's there's problems out there right and then we forget for our 20s 30s because we get busy with our own lives we're trying to have families and right. careers or whatever and then you see you know like you said the politicians they're in their 50s 60s 70s 80s yeah like and they're stuck in the old ways right? right um and so i think you know part of it is what, what what makes me happy right now is it seems like people in that 20s 30s 40s are starting to wake up and realize that they need to get involved with what's going on out there in the world um you know at the same time i remember you know I, there was 
I saw a clip last night from 92 when I, the news was asking Ren and Easy, no, it was Ren and Cube to like tell people to stop rioting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and Ren was like, "What y'all want me to say?" Like, yeah. But you know, but also I'm like, this guy's 24. I don't know how old he was at the time. Like, how is he, how is he supposed to be? Uh, you know, how is he the the role model that you're turning to to tell people how to to act? Right. Right. Like, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, obviously you guys were in the public eye you were celebrities at that point but you're also still young men trying to figure out who you are yeah and um and i i don't know that you know i don't know that we should be looking to our young rappers to tell us how to act um i don't know, I don't yeah. know I'm, I'm not sure we should look at anybody uh, to tell us no how to no act. like even dave Chappelle was like y'all telling me to go say something like right. what can i do like right. it don't nobody want to hear from me Right. It's it's their time now. Let them. I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say when it's time for me to say something, or I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do to do my part of it. But yeah. let them go do that, and I'll, I'll you know everybody's gonna handle it a little bit. I got some some technology stuff I'm working on. Yeah, tell to, me about that. Oh man, I got some new apps that we're doing. I you know I partnered with a, some other tech and bio friends of mine, and we're doing this thing called Covertech. Okay, a new company to help smaller companies, moms and pops, inner cities to kind of get the stuff that they need during this COVID environment because that's another thing. Big companies can get whatever they want. Big governments can get whatever they want, but sure. inner cities, moms and pops can't get anything. So we want to help do that. And then I started looking at um, rights of people. And basically one of the problems is people don't know their rights when it comes to dealing with police officers. And For I'm sure. seeing even like security guards at like Walmart. You know, I mean? I'm seeing like incidents where like people get shot yeah, by security sure. guards at Walmart yeah. or stop for different things. And and if people knew their rights more, it could quell a lot of these incidents. And if even police, I'm finding out a lot of police don't even know the law. Mm-hmm. They assume right without actually knowing. And then when someone who knows the law opposes them, then it escalates because they get mad. And the person is saying, no, I'm just exercising my rights. If you don't call your superior and find out what you, what I'm saying to you, don't get pissed off and try to harass me or harass me. Just if everybody is on the same playing field and understand, we can save a lot of people's lives. And that's one of my new issues right now. My new found loves is tackling that. Like, how can we get everybody on the same playing field? And I think that police officers and law enforcement in general want, just like us, when we was in school, we learned. As soon as you got out of school, you forgot everything you learned in school because you ain't using it. Of course. So same with police officers. They learn all this stuff. They read. Then when they go finish and they graduate and they get on the, on the force, they're not recalling all of that legal information that they learned. And mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's part of it. There should be like, weekly or monthly refresh courses on like hey okay you're dealing with the public every day remember these are their rights these are things that y'all can't do you know and stuff like that but they're not doing that so we got to tell them we got to you know there's got to be oversight but there's also got to be technology companies and, and knowledge bases that are getting involved in this as well so if you're enjoying this one Let's go back into Rebel Radio Archives, one of my first 
uh, one of my first interviews, another West Coast legend, my man AMG. We get in the studio talking about, you know, what it was like having a, a big hit record, a true underground hit record where there wasn't really radio play. There were, you know, videos didn't play the kind of role that they do today. Uh, and this man made it happen in the clubs and in the streets and, and uh, exciting stuff. So go back and check that one out after you finish up here. What do you think? So, so you spend a lot of time with tech companies. Yeah. Um, what should tech companies learn from the rap game, and vice versa? Uh, well, one thing I say is go look to the inner city, man. Mm. And there's, I call it black gold, man. There's a lot of ideas and a lot of things coming out of the inner city, coming out of the rap game. You know, in general, coming out of athletes and entertainers that can help that can make a lot of money that can change things a lot of big money goes into startup companies and right. most of these startup companies are people coming out of colleges and universities and you know the number is crazy that maybe 90 percent of every startup fails yeah. so you're talking about trillions of dollars or billions of dollars that just go down the toilet you know and sure. give somebody else a shot and if you look at um i always forget his name um the guy who's now the creative director for Louis Vuitton. Um, oh, uh, Virgil. Virgil. Yeah. Virgil Abloh, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, where he came from, you know, yeah. and his design and, and building Off-White and mm-hmm. other people from the inner cities who create freaking massive, massive companies from nothing. No investments, no nothing. They just, right. because they're hungry. And I figure if you got somebody that's hungry and you give them a little bit of money or you give them resources, you're going to get a thousandfold out of something instead of giving $15 million to some kids out of college yeah. that may have an idea, but they're not really hungry. But see, that sounds like the rap game to me. Like, I remember hearing, you know, one time that, you know, I think major labels, 95% of their releases lost money. Yeah. Right. And then they have five, 5% of the hits that, you know, cover everything cover else. Cover everything right? else. That's correct. And I remember hearing that like, well, how, how could that be a business, right? And but, but at the same time, right? If you, especially back then, if you looked in the streets, you guys were selling out of the trunk. Too short of selling out of the trunk. Yeah. Uh, you know, nobody was losing money. Nope. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like every, it, you might have a small business, but it's still profitable. Yeah. You know, Master P, doing his thing right, and so it's not until the investors come in the banks come in and start throwing money into things that things actually start losing money there you go there you go and that's what i said you know you go in the inner cities and you give a little bit of money and some structure and yeah. teach them how to build something and take it to that the next level with the hustle yeah. side because like even me today i don't need to penny pinch or, or save on stuff but i've always done it i've always figured out how to use intellectual properties to make me money without mm. spending money you know man no matter what i'm doing mm-hmm. and then i look at somebody else doing exactly the same thing oh man we just rent raised 20 million dollars what the hell for and then you go to their office their brand new office and I, I tell students this all the time i'm like when i talk to startups i'm like don't buy a waterfall wall and i tell this story this is a funny story so i go to this startup in santa monica they had a party launching their new thing showing mm-hmm. off their new office I'm in there talking to somebody and I'm leaning on the wall and my arm is wet. I look over, I'm like, why is my arm wet? 
I look up and there's a waterfall rolling down the wall into some like rocks and some lights. Uh-huh. And I'm like, damn, how much does this cost? Like, they're a startup. They haven't even put their product out, but they got a waterfall wall. Their priorities are screwed. That's like two engineers that you could have paid for by doing this. For sure. So that's my mentality is take the mentality of the inner cities. They building something from nothing. Yeah. And coming up. Look at all the rappers that's millionaires now. Look at all these social media influencers that's little kids, 14 year old kids is making millions of dollars. Yeah. Ain't nobody giving them no money. They figured it out. And I think big companies have to understand that there's other ways to, you know, make money. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, how much are you still inspired by music? Dude, every day. I still work on music every day. I'm actually working on um I did some stuff with uh because I'm in all kind of music. If you listen to my music, it's not just hip hop. You know, sure. I was in, I'm in the dance, rock. I'm in everything, man. I'm just that dude. I love music. And I did some stuff with uh, the group Ministry, Al mm-hmm. Jorgensen, the Ministry, you know, crazy, crazy industrial rock. I don't even think he likes the word industrial rock, but he's just, you know, that's sure. my boy. And we did some stuff. And um, we talked last week. And I was like, man, I want to do something. Like, I want to say some stuff, like, on record. But I don't want to really do rap. You know, I just want to do something. So me and him are going to be working on something with nice. uh, ministry and with Al Jorgensen. We're oh, going to put cool. some stuff out and just talk about what's going on right now. Because, you know, I got to say this. So ever since I was 12, 13, 14 years old, like I grew up in Compton and my mom's put me in Catholic school to keep me out of trouble. So, you know, people who know about Catholic school, actually Catholic schools are worse than public schools because <laughs> I can say this too. You know, in public schools, the teachers... And the faculty faculty were kind of up on what was going on because mm-hmm. the public school they sure. got to be up on it. Yeah, Catholic schools, the nuns and priests didn't know what was going on, so we was doing all kind of dirt. <clears throat> Nobody yeah. knew. But walking home from school wearing Catholic school clothes, a tie, a green jacket, and some salt and pepper pants, at 13 years old, I was still getting pulled over by the police for no reason. Back then, yeah. And from then until now, at the age of 55 to this day, I've been pulled over or stopped more than 200 times, I can imagine. And I've only gotten one ticket. Yeah. Never been to jail. Been taken to jail because of NWA and some other crap. But mm-hmm. never been to jail or been arrested. So that's got to say that there's something wrong. I pull up to my spot sure. in my car sometime and they, they pull up behind me going into my garage. And make up something to ask me a question. So mm-hmm. it, it's got to change, man. A lot of things got to change. Absolutely. Oh, so you're talking about you're talking about the music. So what? Yeah. Uh, what What do you listen to? It's funny, man. I like listening to old. So I'm a huge craft work guy still. And, you know, rest in peace. Yeah. Florian Snyder. Um, I'm a huge Parliament Funkadelic head. These are my influences. Prince, craft work, Parliament Funkadelic. So daily when I'm rolling in the car, that's like my playlist. I, I tune in to regular radio to kind of keep up on what's going on. But that's what I'm into. But recently, man, I've gone and been studying Sly Stone mm. for the simple fact that one, I feel sorry, man, on how his career ended, you know, because his drugs just took over with him, man. Yeah. And like, now he's still living and got ripped off. And But talk about a genius because his style of music was so different. He created 
this thing and even when they talk about how he created things he wasn't the greatest musician he wasn't the greatest writer most of his songs kind of say the same thing over and over it's not like a he's writing even some deep lyrics he did mind you but i'm just saying it was just this thing and when i listened to it the riffs he created like larry graham said that for um if you want me to stay i thought larry graham did that baseline no but sly larry graham said he was doing something sly came and said no do this and came up with this really intricate over the top baseline that was not even something that a bass player would play but because he wasn't a bass player it worked and i'm like so that's what i like is people just always creating outside the box i mean it's interesting you you mentioned sly stone and prince yeah because i think there's you know i think prince there's a lot of sly in Prince. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah, it is. Um, and it's funny, you know, you know, Prince. It, it's hard to have an interview where Prince doesn't come up. Um, not to, you know because his I think his influence yeah. is so vast. Oh, yeah. um, although he didn't he didn't understand hip hop until no. much later, or maybe at all. Yeah. Um, but it's understandable. Yeah. That, that wasn't his world. Um, is it? Is it? Is that going to happen again? Oh, another one of those kind of people? They're out there. Are they? You know, I'm following them and on social and, and okay. on YouTube. I'm finding these these little diamonds in the rough. Like, I'm, I can't remember some of them names. Like, I, I really felt... Okay, so a friend of mine, um, uncle, is... Um, Oh my God, my brain! I'm, I'm on a keto diet, man. My brain don't work <laughs> like it normally works when I'm on carbs. Like no carbs will kill you. The horn player, um, oh man, the white horn player that's dope. Um, oh shit! It's gonna come to me. I had to look it on my phone. But anyway, um, he's got his little sessions now where he does these little sessions. Okay. And there's this this girl, man, from down in New Orleans. It's like a jazz singer. Mm-hmm. Man, she's killing it, but she can sing anything like mm. on top of this, on top of that. So I'm following her. I'm following this girl named, um, uh, what is her name too? So I'm telling you, man, my brain right now, <laughs> dog. It's, it's, she's the one that plays all of her music by herself and she loops it on stage. Oh, that's cool. And, and she's like freaking killing it, you know? Really? So I watch stuff like that. And then, you know, I just try to find something different, breath of fresh air and yeah. this you know, world of commercialization of music. Yeah, and that's what I worry about, right, is, is you know, even even NWA, right, like, you know, Straight Outta Compton yeah. was was the record that, you know, pushed pushed it over the top. Right. But, you know, how long had you guys been making music before that? Oh, my God, right? like five, six years before that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's what, and so I, you know, I think every every musician that changed the world, right, in in any significant kind of way, they had that five, sometimes to ten year period, yeah, right, where nobody really knew who they were or they weren't who they were. Yeah, the top of their game, at right? The top, right? And so, I think that period is necessary, and and I don't know if musicians are being allowed to have that today. Yeah. Right, because everybody finds out about you too quick. Yeah, and they do. And then you have to, like, in order to be a hit, sometimes you got to fall into a category of what's hot right now. Yeah. Sure. And, oh, not to, oh, Tosh Sultana. Okay. That's the girl. Okay. Okay. 
and then David Sanborn. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah those yeah. are the two names I was trying to come up with. Nice. It took a while to find them in the vault. Nice. But yeah, it, it's it's true, out. man. It, it's really, really true. And that's why I said, I think we got to get back to breaking the stereotypes because, and I hate to sound like the old dude, like the uncles or your grandfather when you was young, like, yeah, when we went to school, we used to walk uphill both ways in the snow, you know, with no shoes, sure. you know. I don't want to be that guy like that yeah, when we were rappers, but it's true. When we were rapping and hip hop first started, you could identify artists. You knew the, what the Beastie Boys sound like, yeah. what LL Cool J sound like, what NWA, Republic Enemy. Everybody had an identity. Mm -hmm. There was really never two artists that sounded alike. Right. Everybody had their thing. Now it's a lot harder to listen to music and understand who it is. You got to, who is that? And you, oh, okay. But I think. I'm seeing a change because on the EDM side, EDM has become a lot less epic. Remember, EDM mm -hmm. used to be this epic thing sure, with sure, drops, sure. and then you had like this weird thing where you had like the Chain Smokers and Calvin Harris's, which were a lot different than the normal EDM. You yep. had, you know, um, Skrillex, and you know, you got Marshmallow. You got it's a whole different environment on the EDM side now, right? that's changing things up yeah and um oh did you, one of my our boys used to live in the building he just moved out um oh my god what was his name um dr fresh i don't oh, know if yeah. you know doctor he used to live yeah, in the yeah. building is that right yeah he just moved oh, that's he, funny. Parked, he's parked right next to me i didn't know i thought he was this other cat named slushy okay because he had green hair and i'm looking at this fool, like, this fool got green hair that's familiar funny. but yeah he's out there doing things and the crazy thing about dr fresh i had never heard of him right and he's like, man, we got some synergy. I'm like, what? And he said, here, go check out this on YouTube. And he had taken Gangsta Gangsta and remixed it. Oh, wow. Into like this instrumental uh -huh. and cutting up Easy's vocals and had like AMGs in Russia like uh -huh. driving crazy. Man, I think got like 90 million views. Wow. And I'm like, Gangsta Gangsta didn't even get 90 million <laughs> views. Like, damn. So it's sure. a different world. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, is there anything you you miss about that that time? Um, you know what I miss? I miss the fact that you could really really engage with people personally back then. You know, yeah. especially being an artist, you would get off stage and talk to people and and, and kind of just be out there. We used to do the smaller clubs. Mm -hmm. Even when we got big, you would go do the smaller mm -hmm. events or go. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember we'd come off a tour and we would go to this place called Acasa in downtown LA and just fall in and be cool. I think a lot of artists can't do that no more. It's yeah. it's too dangerous. You yeah. know, it's too, so much is going on, man. And I think that's going to change too. Is just you know, like crime in general, like black on black crime, or just you know, hate. And man, that's just got to stop, man. I'm too old for it. And even as young, younger people kind of get it too. And everybody got a camera now, so I think that sure. we're starting to see that people are going to see everything, and people got to yeah. understand that you can't hide no more right yeah yeah i mean uh you know i think of all the shit we did as kids it w wasn't you know they might not have been felonies but they're definitely things oh, i don't yeah, want on camera oh yeah no 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 it's crazy and we dude. didn't have to think about that yeah you know? it's it's crazy yeah that's crazy um you know what i miss i miss the you know and i'm a little i'm a little you know i'm a step behind you yeah. uh uh but you know, I missed the, there was, there was a tight community, you know, and you talk about, you know, Egyptian lover yeah. and, uh, which by the way, I mean, 
just like how game changing was that record when it came out? Oh yeah, you know, I I, I can still picture some. We were on the bus. I I was in San Francisco. We were on the bus and somebody was playing it, and the whole bus just like yeah. it was like a scene out of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like everybody just started start bugging out to this song. Yeah. Um, but uh, but there was a time when you could walk out of your house and you're seeing, you know, the community of people that were making culture happen in real time right you know what i mean every everywhere you went you know there was this producer and this dj and you know i'm i bump into battle cat and i bump into you know whoever right and i, I don't think that exists anymore i, I think it's too big it's now. too There's big too many people yeah yeah it's too big um and and you know like it's great that it's gotten to where it is but also like for me personally i miss that yeah. i miss feeling like there's a tribe that like we're all we're all kind of in it together yeah and, and, and in small ways it is like every now and then people will get together you know like yeah i'm down with the stone throw crew yeah you know i'm down with the battle cats and them too as well so every now and then everybody gets together you know like we all man it was beautiful like at nam right before they shut everything down because of COVID, and it, no one knew COVID mm. was lurking in right. like COVID, i went to ces and nam so it oh, was wow. there and i didn't yeah. get it thank <laughs> yeah, god yeah. but um we did um the what was that bowling alley out in uh orange county there's a bowling alley out there oh, okay and um they had a dj event and i mean everybody was there dude people were showing up i was like oh what right that fool walked in and it was just amazing to see everybody in the house together yeah you know like spinning yeah, sure. and djing and for stuff sure. so it was actually really cool yeah i mean i, I had that at tunes's funeral yeah which is like you know, it's a shame it has to be at a funeral. Yeah. But but it you know, to see everybody that you hadn't seen in twenty years, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, pick it pick it right back up. Yeah, and I bumped into uh to W Dub C at a concert in in uh Santa Ana. I was doing something with JJ Fad and he uh -huh. was there with Cube. I didn't catch Cube, but uh Dub C was there. I bumped into him and then bumped into uh like uh MC eight and oh, a couple nice. other people that I hadn't seen in like forever. So yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. We getting old. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, I got to do a little lightning round. Okay. Before I let you get out of here. Cool. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Uh, Sweden and Japan. So right down the middle, 50-50, Sweden and Japan. Dope. Uh, those are two of my favorite places. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite DJ? Qbert. Yeah. Um, he, you know, uh, that's another one, right? That uh, You know, he... He just did shit that no one had thought of. You talk about Sly and Oh, Prince my and God, like, dude. Yeah, I tell Q somebody, you know what's funny? I was watching Kubert do this event, and I was with some people. And I had to explain to them, because they, they were, like, perplexed the way they were looking. Because what he was doing probably didn't sound good to them, because they're sure. used to the DJs doing the traditional scratches on the beat. I said, you don't understand what he's doing right now. He's, like, one-third between this note and playing. And, like, and he's bent. Like, mm -hmm. It's like jazz, what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And it may not it sound is. good to you, but if you know what you're listening to, right. you know that that's impossible. <laughs> you know, and that's why I love that cat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the last great book you read? Man, the last great book I read, one of my father's books. I don't know if you know, my father wrote over 100 books. Oh, damn. Yeah, he was one of the most pro prolific black authors. He was the editor of Players Magazine as well. Okay. So I had a very interesting childhood growing <laughs> up with that. Nice. But, uh I've been going back and reading what, his book. What's his name? Uh, Joe Nazelle. Okay. And he wrote anything, any 
um, book that had black in it, he wrote it. Okay. Black Exorcist, Black Gestapo, Black Cop. Uh, you know, actually, he penned some of the stuff for uh, Iceberg Slim. Some people say, oh, Iceberg. My father worked for the same company that put out all the stuff for a lot of other people. But he was the guy that actually would sit down and, and pin all that stuff and type it out for him and, you know, oh, turn it into cool. format. Because yeah. a lot of these cats who made books, they weren't writers. Sure. So my father was the one that did all that stuff. Oh, so wow. I was going to say my pop's books, not being biased, but yeah. Is there a favorite one? Um, My favorite one is still, the he wrote like a little small one on Magic Johnson. And for me, I love the Lakers and Magic. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite ones that he wrote. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Um. You have to tell me about the Players Magazine story oh, another yeah. time. <laughs> uh, what movie have you seen the most in your life? So that one is also split right down the middle. And it used to be just two, and now it's three, and people are going to think I'm corny as hell. <laughs> um, it would be, one would be Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's my favorite movie of all time. The okay. fool is dark and crazy. Yeah. The original one, not yeah, that yeah. new Michael the Jackson version. Not the, not the Michael Jackson version. That's what I call the new one. <laughs> I look like Michael Jackson. Um, that, the fifth element, uh-huh. is just... So, the soundtrack, everything about that is, sure. is my thing. And then I'm just a Harry Potter head, dude. Is that like, right? I don't care when Harry Potter comes on TV. I will stop <laughs> what I'm doing to watch Harry Potter. Okay. And that, that's me. That's funny. Yeah. She's in trouble right now, right? She said something. Oh, uh, yeah. she She's on her own thing with the LGBT or transgenders and stuff. Man, my thing is, dude, let, just leave people alone. You know what I'm saying? We all on this planet. Leave people alone, man. Let people do what they do. Yeah, but, it, you but, know. but the thing is, like... And Cuba got into some trouble too, right? Yeah. And so, to me, it's like, well, you don't have to say anything. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Just leave people alone. Yeah. If, if, if okay, if somebody if somebody come in my house and do something in my house or do something personally to me, yeah. or say something personally to me, I'm gonna be like, all right. I'm gonna deal with you personally. Right. I'm not gonna. I can't speak on a group of people like me. I can only give my opinion on black on what's going on to us black people. Sure. I can give my opinion. Right. I can be part of a movement, but I'm only a small part of it. Right. I'm not about to speak up on Hispanics. I'm not about to, I'm part, I got a running joke too, and no, nobody get mad at me because I'm part American Indian too. Okay. So I'm like, I need my 40 acres in the mule <laughs> and my casino. I need both. Like, can I get paid? You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I don't speak up on other people. And I think that's one of our biggest problems. You got people speaking up on other people. You know, I'm Catholic. I go to church sometimes. Sometime. I went to Cal school my whole life. But, <laughs> you know, whatever my values are, those are my values. Right. There's people around this world got different values. There are other religions in this world that we don't understand. Because they do that religion, am I supposed to be condemning them? But sure. you're saying they're wrong? No. That's their religion. That's what they're about. Do they bother me? No. People are people, man. And right. once we get to the point to where people leave people alone i think we'd be good but that's a that's a challenge right is like you give somebody you know you take a normal person stick a camera in their face and all of a sudden they're acting like an authority yeah and we always have a camera in our face yeah right and so jk rowling or qbert or whatever feels and and everybody else too by the way like feels entitled to speak like they're an authority on something when it's just their opinion and really who gives a fuck what you think right and and i you know i even have my opinions on people you find out people have done things and then people just own them right so i've always yeah, yeah. adopted yeah, certain things like some things were part of my life like bill cosby that was part of my life growing up the cosby kids the cosby show of course okay it's so wrong what he did 
I like that Bill Cosby. The Bill Cosby that he is now or the things that he did that I didn't know about until I yeah. found out, I don't like that Bill Cosby. Yeah. But I like that Bill Cosby. Yeah. You know, and you can't. Well, that's the thing. It's like, what are you supposed to, I mean, we can talk about that all day, yeah. right? Like, you, what are you supposed to go back to your child? And erase. To, to who yeah. you were as a child. Yeah. And erase those memories. Because some of those things influenced who I was to the day. Like, watching the Cosby show, I got messages and things out of that. And, you know, and it, it's... And even watching the Fat Albert, there yeah. were messages in that, the positive no messages. So people do negative things. They need to pay for what they did. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, just leave people alone, <laughs> like races. And I did a um, thing <laughs> with, you know, I, I played in this little golf tournament with a LGBT friend of mine and some other people. And mm -hmm. people are just people, man. We play golf. Ain't nobody tripping on nobody. Right. You know, and here's the other thing, especially, let me get back to race for one second. If you if you are a blatant racist and you claim you're a racist, then honestly, you need to be walking around this world butt naked with nothing because the cars that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the food that you eat, everything about you and everything that you touch is by somebody that is not of your race. That's for sure. So if you are racist, how can you survive on this planet and utilize anything? Yeah. Because it's touched by people that aren't you. So just let it go. Give it up. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Um, okay. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be? To end violence and racism, man. That's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what's up. I have to, to this day, I got to watch my back, man, when it comes to just going out. People, you know, worry about my safety as a black man and, and in a nice car and in mm -hmm. a nice neighborhood like just be careful yeah why should i have to be careful That's but right. i do like i've conditioned myself to dress a certain way sure to talk a certain way when i walk into a store knowing that i got a ton of money in my pocket or can buy anything in the store i still i'll give you a perfect example i went to walmart and i had you know i got my birthday got some people coming through whatever I grab a bottle of alcohol and I'm walking around the store with a bottle. Of, I don't even drink. So this is for other people. I got a bottle of alcohol in my hand, but I'm looking at other stuff. I got to get, you know, some soap and some toothpaste. And some other. But I'm walking around with this bottle of alcohol and in the back of my head, I'm like, they're watching me. I got to make sure that I go take care of this because they're probably looking like, is he going to walk out with the alcohol? Right, right, right. I shouldn't even have to think that way, but not. I do. Yeah. Because I've been stopped before just walking around and somebody asked me, can I help you? What, what? Help me with what? I'm buying stuff. You know, what are you buying? Like, who are you? Like, oh, I'm undercover with a store. Like, man, what you get away from me, dude? I got, I could, I, you want to come work for me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, leave me alone. I ain't do nothing. For sure. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask. This is not part of my uh, lightning round. I yeah. forgot, though. But, you know, I, and I know you have a complicated history with it, but, um, is there a favorite memory of Easy? Yeah, I always tell this story, man, and and, and people don't know. Easy used to walk around with honey buns in his back pocket. You ever hear that one? Nah. Yeah, we used to uh, go do shows, and Easy was one of them cats that didn't like to stop nowhere. Like, man, let's just go, and we'd be hungry. Like, man, can we stop get some food? No, no, no. Go ahead, let's, we'll, we'll eat when we get there. But he would take honey buns and put them in his back pockets. Like two or four of them had two in each back pocket, and they would get all squished down like this. But you hear that fool in the back of the van, like opening up honey buns. Like, God damn, man, it's the craziest thing. And that's that's, so that's what I remember. I, the other stuff I remember, I can't talk about right. <laughs> because it's crazy. Of course, but yeah, I remember the pool parties and 
pool parties and All just that. that fool was crazy. Yeah. I'll tell you that he would he wouldn't nobody be messed with. You know, as little as he, little as he was, he wasn't nobody to be messed with. Now, I met him a few times, and uh, you know, the ruthless cats were, were friends of mine. Yeah, and um, he's one of the few people that like. You know, he had no reason to pay me any attention whatsoever, and he was just the coolest. Oh, coolest you dude know. you want to meet. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I and, and I think you know, uh, I think him and his personality is a big part of why we are where we are today, as far as rap music and and uh, and culture. Yeah, I think easy, uh, and and I'm and I'm not not to discount everybody else who contributed to that including you right 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 but i think his personality just the the, the hugeness yeah of who he was you know uh you know it changed the world oh it did yeah for sure um okay last one if i worked for you or if i was on your team when your startups whatever uh what's something i would hear you say over and over again take care of your business <laughs> Honestly, take care of your as a startup. You got to take care of your business because you can have a product, but if you don't have your business taken care of, your product will never come to light. Period. And that's that's the most important thing. I think people focus too much on getting the money mm. and building a product. But where's your business model? Where's yeah. your sustainability? Sure. Where's the marketing plan? Where's everything that goes into selling it? You can spend all this money. Okay, we gonna go there. Magically. <laughs> oh, Let's talk about magically. Damn. Like I, I know some people Where over there. They, they what they got? What like three billion dollars? Yeah. And I've heard that they laid off a thousand people recently. Yeah. They're going under, and hopefully they they's got another three hundred fifty million. Like who keep throwing money at that? It's VR. It's 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 augmented reality. It's not like they're so, not they're putting people on the moon for three billion dollars. Crazy. Um. Uh. So okay. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. But there's some people that say, you know, you look at Facebook, you look at, um, you know, uh, whoever else, right, who figured that business model out along the way. Yeah. And and that's that's one of the the mantras in Silicon Valley, right, or in the tech world is like, it's okay if you don't have all that figured out because build something great, you'll pivot, blah, 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 blah. And so how how do you balance those two? Well, I do say this. I do say this, you know, in order to succeed, sometimes you got to fail. Mm-hmm. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But in an informational technology that I mean, the information world that we live in, there is no reason that you can't take care of your business and have that. Like, yeah, you can figure it out as you go. Everybody right. does. Sure. I even do it to this day. But people forget about the business and just focus too much on that. And you know, I often talk about the Facebooks and Instagrams and the Snapchats in my talks with people. And I say this, don't try to do too much in tech either. Because as a startup, what are you trying to make? A product that's going to make you money, mm-hmm. right? Look at the biggest companies on this planet. Most of them, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, WeChat, you know, all of those all use the same exact thing. Right. Freaking text photos and video in different ways right and they're all successful companies they kept it simple they figured out a market and attacked that market if you do something that's too difficult or too you know too many appendages and things on it it could be hard to sell it could be a hard sell 
the pet rock still sells to this day <laughs> the slinky still sells to this day the right. freaking chia pet still sells to this day yeah and you know you just got to find a niche and roll with it yeah yeah that's interesting and and you know even bringing it back to music like i think of you know run dmc rapping over a drum machine boom too short you know what I mean? Rapping, Rapping over, over beat, yeah, pretty much, and a bass line. That's it. Yeah, Supersonic, man. When I did Supersonic, yeah, did two songs for four hundred bucks <laughs> in the studio. The girls right? weren't rappers; just some friends of ours. Right. I was working on my Professor X stuff, and they just happened to be in the studio. Knocked out two songs in four hours. All I had in the studio was a eight hundred eight drum machine and a Yamaha DX seven, and that was Supersonic. And to this day, it still sells for sure. Still, you know, like. Who wrote that fast ass part of the rap? Uh, the girls did. Oh, yeah. they wrote it. Yeah. Okay. And Wana, I think Wana wrote that whole style, and then her and Dania. I mean, that was a game changer. Game changer. Like, man. Every, you know, you, no one ever heard somebody rap Do like that. that. And then Eminem put it on Rap God. Yeah. I was like, damn. All right, M. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing, man. It was great lessons. Yeah, Dude, so. thanks for sharing this with me, man. No, thanks for so having me. Yeah, it's, it's cool to walk like right next door. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, let's do it again, man. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, how, how's everybody find you online? Uh, OG Arabian Prince on social, you know, and then um, my company is Innovate Next, I-N-O-V, the number eight, N-E-X-T dot com, and then we got the new Covatech thing, but I'm out there, man. I'm, you know, launching video game products and tech products, doing a lot in esports, so I'm, in, I'm out there. And for like small businesses that want to get involved with Covatech, how, yeah. how does that work? Just reach out to Covatech.us. Okay. That's us. Dope. Yeah. Dope. Thank you, man. Cool. Appreciate it. Yo, that was Arabian Prince on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Leave us a comment. Hit us up on Twitter or on Facebook at Rebel Radio Net. You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Uh, you can come back next week if you want to hear more Rebel Radio. Peace. <laughs>